Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. OutKick 360 rolls on across the OutKick network. Glad you're with us. And uh, coming up in about 10 to 15 minutes, we'll get into the, the news that the NFL is going to appeal the Watson suspension of six games from Judge Sue L. Robinson. We'll discuss that and what comes next now that the NFL has filed that appeal. That's in roughly 10 to 15 minutes from now. Sports and uh, broadcasts. Fans, we, we lost a, a legend uh, yesterday in Vince Scully, Dodgers play-by-play voice and the voice of baseball, passing away at the age of 94. And Steve Garvey of the Dodgers, nice enough to join us. Steve, it is great to have you on the show, um, and, and thank you for taking the time to discuss Vince Scully. Absolutely. It's an honor to be with you, uh, to be able to talk about um, my friend, arguably the best at, uh, at what he did, but even more than that, he was a great American. Um, he was uh, in an industry where it's, it's, it's uh, easy to be good, uh, but exceptionally difficult to be uh, the best at it. And you know, in LA, we, we've been blessed with two, Jaime Ureen, who's uh, a Hall of Fame Hispanic announcer, and Vin Scully. So uh, Jaime's carrying the torch for Vin now, but we had him for 94 years and we're all blessed by his presence. Steve Garvey with us on Outkick 360. Uh, you were a bat boy for the Brooklyn and Los Angeles Dodgers. Is that when you first came across Vin Scully? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I grew up in the uh, Tampa Bay area. Dad was a Greyhound bus driver. And spring of 1956, uh, right after the Dodgers finally beat the Yankees in 55, they were world champions. And the end of March and the spring training, he came home and dad looked at me. He said, you want to skip school tomorrow? And I said, wow, dad. Yeah. What are we doing? He said, well, I've got a charter to pick up the Brooklyn Dodgers from the Tampa airport and take them to St. Pete to play the Yankees in an exhibition game. And I think it might be a fun day for you and I. And ironically, my dad and two other gentlemen had started the second little league in Tampa and we were going to start four days later. So I had a brand new uh, part of the Hyde mitt and uh, I was all set to go. And uh, we got the bus and pulled down to the tarmac early in the morning, and all of a sudden the KO Mally one landed, which was the Dodger plane, and uh, and off came Campanella and Hodges and Robinson and Snyder and uh, the boys of summer. So that day I got a chance to bat boy. Um, they like my dad, and I had a a chance to maybe two or three times this spring for the next uh, six seven years. I grew up with my idols, but I, I clearly remember the first person out of uniform that impressed me was Vince Scully. Uh, I think probably two years after that first uh, opportunity, I'm sitting in the dugout and this well-dressed man comes up with the uh, silk uh, pants and the uh, jacket and this red hair and that voice that was uh, uh, so distinctive. And he had, uh, everybody had the uh, 
you know, the little uh, microphone and the, and the tape there, and they uh, would do interviews, and I, I'm listening, and all of ears, there's the voice of the Dodgers, and I figured it was uh, the great uh, Vince Scully I'd heard about. So from that point, 13 years later, out of Michigan State, I'm drafted in the first round, and uh, at next spring, I'm at Dodger Town, the iconic uh, Dodger training facility, and it's about the third day, and I'm walking down a path, and I look in front of me, and here's Ben Scully about 20 yards away. And uh, as we got closer, I said, Mr. Scully, uh, Steve Garvey, he says, oh, son, welcome to the organization. It's great to have you. And I said, I, I doubt if you remember, but I was a bat boy in the 50s. And uh, he said, uh, weren't you that pudgy kid with the flat top and the butch wax? <laughs> and I said, yes, sir. I think hopefully I've leaned out a little bit. But uh, he said, we, we heard there was a a young man who had bad boy for us had signed. So that was the beginning of our adult relationship and and a wonderful friendship. But I, obviously, having the opportunity to play for the Dodgers and to have Vin call the games uh, uh, was so very special to all of us. When when you were breaking in, uh, the story that goes, uh, you had a tough day in the field. I think maybe you were at third base and you right. heard him from the press box say Garvey's having a tough go of it, but I think he's going to have a long career here. Mm-hmm. And that really buoyed your spirits and, uh, and gave you some confidence at a time you needed some. Do I have that right? And, uh, and, and what was something like that? What did something like that feel like? And what was the crowd well, like that day that you could up. hear him? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, back then, you know, especially in the beginning of the Coliseum that was there for uh, – probably three to four years before Dodger Stadium opened six in 1962, uh, uh, 60 years ago. Uh, transistor radios were very, very popular. And, of course, uh, all the people in L.A. had heard not only about the, the, the Dodgers coming out there, but about Vin Scully, the voice of the team. So um, I'm a struggling third baseman, wild arm, had a shoulder separation playing football for Duffy Doherty at Michigan State. And a uh, rough day about this time of the year, almost threw one away, and Bobby Valentine made a great stab and forced out. Next ball's hit to me, and I bobble it for an error, and, and my head's down, and, and I can hear in kind of a quiet moment, Vin is in the air, and he's just exactly what you said. Uh, you know, the young man's uh, struggling, but he's working hard, and, you know, probably have a good career here in Los Angeles. And uh, 14 years later, <laughs> after that moment. And when I heard that, I, Mr. Scully, thank you. You saved me. You've given me a special dispensation today, and the fans aren't going to boo me. But, you know, that was Vin. Um, he always looked at people from the inside out. He always treated everyone as he would like to be treated. He was fair, very fair with them. Um, and if you were to say what was the one virtue in terms of his announcing, is that his uh, preparation was just uh, impeccable. And, uh, and and the difference between good and great is that preparation, and nobody prepared better than Finn. What's it like just having him as the soundtrack to such a big chunk of your career <laughs> as you look yeah. back, and not just the moment that, that Paul had mentioned, but you know, having someone with that gravitas that is calling your games for such a long period of time when you look yeah. back on it, how, how cool is that feeling? Well, it was. And for me, especially having remembered him, you know, as a young boy and then having him, you know, welcome me to the Dodgers as an adult player. Well, almost an adult, I guess. And then uh, through the years, uh, the consistency of every time that that we saw each other. And, and, you know, he was very, very close to the Brooklyn 
Dodgers. They they all grew up together. You know, Hodges and Scully and those guys. And when they won in '55, I mean, it was very tearful. They had finally won the World Championship. And by the time I got to the Dodgers, you know, Vin was down in late '40s, maybe early '50s, and and um, and he treated everybody the same, very fairly. Wasn't close to anybody, but I think that was a wonderful philosophy on his part, so that he could always be very fair and just, and not be affected by any personal relationship. But, but that didn't mean he still, uh, you know, the one thing that was interesting about Ben, he he never did the post game interview. He always would let Jerry Doggett or whomever was uh, his sidekick. They would do a few innings, because I don't think he really wanted to to uh, talk about the post mortem of a bad game. Uh, not that he didn't want to talk about moments of greatness during the game, but I think he led it to his, his sidekick so that he could avoid any situation where he wasn't. And I say this on a personal basis because of his interviews. His interviews were always very personal in terms of he wanted you to talk. He wanted the fans to understand who you were. It was never a, uh, a pointed question. I got your question. It was always, uh, Stevie, describe that play and what you were thinking. And uh, not why did you make that error or how could you strike out in that situation? So I, it was the soul of the man that always came through and he purposely avoided those moments where it would be very, very difficult because it just wasn't in his character. But in the essence, that's the, the difference in, in, again, being good and being great and being the best of all time. What a, what a way to, to rib a, diss, a, a career with uh, the, the way that he went out as well in his final game calling in, in 2016 with the, the, uh, the, the poetic way that he signed off was extraordinary given how long his career was and his age at the time. You know, and I was so blessed uh, that weekend, uh, KTLA in Los Angeles uh, uh, did those three games and they were in San Francisco. So the irony was this, yeah. this dreaded rival uh, from the old uh, Polo Grounds and Ebbets Field was uh, going to be Vin's uh, final game. Of course, he had a fabulous uh, uh, prior to that last day in Los Angeles. But I remember the classic picture of, of he and his uh, wonderful wife, Sandy, uh, standing up there and receiving a standing ovation from a sold-out uh, AT&T in San Francisco. So that's the ultimate compliment to have uh, your most dreaded rival standing and applauding and realizing that uh, that because you were so fair. By the way, if you were to listen to Vin, you would never know that he was the Dodger announcer. Uh, there was no bias. There was no overwhelming um, uh, prejudice towards the team. And and again, that's that was part of the fiber of being as great as he was. So uh, uh, I remember the producer was in my ear. He said, Garby, got a minute. Uh, wrap it up. And I'm thinking, wrap up Vince Scully in a minute. And I looked in the camera and I said to all of you, and, and I'm a fan too, he's not gone. He's going to be with us. We were so uh, so fortunate to have him for 64, 65 plus years. He's still going to be in the community. And I said, I'm quite sure the Dodgers will have his voice uh, in the air. And and I give the Dodgers a tremendous amount of credit on Rosen and, and, uh, and the office, front office suite there. Uh, ever since Vin left, as you come into the stadium, you hear his voice welcoming you. And I always say it's it's like he's welcoming you home to Dodger Stadium and the Cathedral of Baseball. And uh, and it, it, it will continue that way. Uh, it won't be the same to ha not have him here physically. Uh, I always said, like last year, that uh, 
Tommy Lasorda passed away, and now he's uh, he's uh, starting every third day in the rotation behind Newcomb and Drysdale, and uh, and I think today Vin's up in in heaven with the boys of summer. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Tommy Lasorda because there's a list of names you could throw out, and you hear the name and you think Dodger. Yours being one of them. You mentioned Steve Garvey. I, I think Dodgers immediately. But when you throw out Dodgers and then immediately start reeling off the first few names that come to mind, how quickly do you get to Vin Scully when you're talking Jackie Robinson, Sandy Koufax, Tommy Lasorda? How quick is does his name come up in that list of Dodger greats, even as a broadcaster? Well, I've always said the players are the authors and poets of uh, of the game of baseball and everything else is sales and marketing, except uh, for a voice like Vin's who, uh, and I've always said we're in the memory business, uh, but in order to capture those memories, number one, they have to be achieved on the field. And number two, somebody has to, uh, to eloquently articulate that moment. And that was Vin. Uh, he was arguably the most valuable non-uniform player in the history of the Dodgers. And to this day, if you're in and around Los Angeles and in Southern California, let alone the nation in baseball, you would uh, have to say that one true constant has always been Vince Scully and that wonderful voice of his. Your daughter, Olivia, is a sports reporter and anchor in D.C. How much did Vince Scully inspire her to take that direction? Well, she, uh, along with all of our children, grew up at, in and around Dodger Stadium. And uh, they all called last night. And uh, Olivia had a big day yesterday uh, with the trade. And she was in the forefront there, and uh, she asked uh, General Manager Rizzo the last question, which made everybody laugh. She said, we know you. you know, We know there's more to this in the last couple hours. And, and he said, Olivia, uh, you're right. Can I go back to work now? And she said, you can go. So <laughs> I'm very proud of her. But she uh, she has wonderful pictures of, uh, of her and Vince Scully, uh, from a little girl of six or seven to a uh, grown woman now uh, at WABC in Washington and uh, and our son Sean the youngest of our kids at a Michigan State called last night he had tears and uh, Ryan who had played for the Rocky organization uh, showed me a picture of, of he and, and Vince Scully so Vin uh, touched not only myself but our family and our children and uh, and they all learned something from it and I think it's uh, how to live your life you know there's an old saying that uh, life is God's gift to us, and what we do with it is our gift to him. Well, uh, God is very, very pleased with uh, Vince Scully and how he shared uh, who he was and uh, with, with everybody else to make us all better. Dodgers legend Steve Garvey has been our guest, as we remember uh, the voice of baseball, Vince Scully. Thank you so much, Steve, for taking the time uh, this afternoon to, to chat with us uh, about your, your idol in, in Vince Scully. Well, thank you. Just one more thing. Uh, when I was inducted in the Dodger Hall of Fame, uh, the Dodgers did a wonderful animated piece on my career from Bat Boy to uh, uh, right up to the end. And I put it on Instagram, Stevie Garvey 6. I don't know where the Y came from. And Vin narrated it. So if you'd like to hear his voice one more time, go to that. And uh, I think you'll find it charming. We'll share it. We'll share it Thanks. from our account yeah, as definitely. well. Definitely. Thank you, Steve. We appreciate the time. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. I'm honored. There's Steve Garvey. Uh, uh, great to chat with him, um, and uh, great, great to be able to connect with him quickly uh, late last night. Um, maybe not as late for him on the West Coast.
uh, whenever the the news broke. They were the Dodgers were in the sixth inning, and uh, almost immediately, right, he got back and said he's in. So that's uh, awesome. awesome to Lucky have the us. chance to uh, to chat with him today. Um, coming up, let's uh, a quick break, and then we will give you the breaking news from the NFL, which is they are going to appeal Judge Sue Robinson's opinion that Deshaun Watson should be suspended for six games for the upcoming season. We'll dissect what this means. And now the process moving forward for the Browns quarterback. That's next to Now Kick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Sacks waiting on deck, but the game right now is at the plate. High fly ball into right field. She In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. There is the late Vince Scully, and of course, that is a condensed version, a heavily edited version of that Gibson home run. How amazing. The improbable and impossible line comes 35 to 40 seconds later after the homer. He lets it breathe. Yes, and you watch him around the bases. How great is it that both he and Joe Buck were calling it, and Joe Buck also has it. Two classic calls, one on TV, one on the radio. Jack Jack Buck. Buck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Gibson, I mean, just setting up, as he's at bat, it's like the fourth or fifth pitch of the at bat. And Vin Scully, uh, and, and I would highly recommend if you haven't watched the entire at bat because we're, we're familiar with the homer, right? If you if you've never watched the full at bat, the way he sets the storyline up and and allows the moment to happen. If it's going to happen here, that's okay. But if not, I've got another detail to add in. And like the fourth or fifth pitch, and there's a dribbler down, and it barely goes foul. And he adds in that uh, that Gibson was so hurt. He was hurting so much. He doesn't understand how he can run halfway down the base path. And that's probably all he has left because he didn't even have the strength and he was so banged up. He did not come out for that was game one, come out for the announcements of the lineups for both teams prior to the start of the world series. Go to the baseline. So he stayed in the clubhouse. He was so he was hurting so much. And so he adds that in like, Two minutes into the at bat, and that's a pretty good detail that I would have thrown in, like Early. right out. Of, I'm trying to force it in, and he doesn't do that, and that's what makes the entire call so iconic. My, uh, we talk often about the pace of baseball now. That game was pretty briskly played. I was watching with my college friends in a college dorm, and we didn't realize that that was a, a walk off scenario. Like, we thought it was maybe the eighth or the seventh. We didn't realize it was, it was the ninth. So adding to the drama of it, when he hits it, and then the celebration is going, we're like, oh, my God, that's it? <laughs> it's over? Yeah. Like, nowadays, you would never be, yeah. oh, my God, that's it. You're like, oh, yeah, it's finally over. Oh, and that, that crowd was charged oh, yes. when he came out of the dugout. Anytime you get well, the, shaking, on. the shaking camera yeah. in a sports moment, you know it's, it's big time. That's I always love those moments where the crowd is shaking 
the view of the, the play. And that's – you could see the camera shaking as Gibson's rounding first in the home run trot. Terrific. Coming up in just over 30 minutes, Will Power will be in studio. Uh, driver, uh, IndyCar champion, and current points leader. Uh, he's in town, of course, the Music City Grand Prix here where we are in Nashville. He'll be in studio with us getting, uh, getting a chance to catch up with the Aussie. Uh, will Power. Uh, powerful name, as Chad pointed out, uh, to Terrific begin the show. Um, the NFL has decided it will appeal the ruling from, from Judge Sue Robinson uh, of the six-game suspension for Deshaun Watson. I, 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 I could have seen this going both, both ways here on their decision, and we can lay this out, but let's start with what they've decided to do. They are appealing the, the decision. Goodell has not officially named who's going to hear the appeal. It could be somebody appoints, or it could be him. And I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens in that regard, too. But we know by appealing, the NFL now controls his suspension, which can be as little as seven games. You wouldn't appeal if you're dropping it. Seven games or indefinite. And... I don't know why you appeal it if you're not going to do the indefinite suspension because Judge Sue Robinson, in reading through her opinion, laid out the case for the NFL based on everything involved. But then she loops back in the precedent set previously. I have A lot of people are throwing out 12 games. 12 games and 6 games is not that big of a difference this year for Deshaun Watson on precedent. Um, if, if you're really trying to set the next level of what the next judge on the, the ruling will, will look at, you look at this. However, uh, we also heard from uh, Michael McCann yesterday who said that on the appeal, and we know Watson is going to sue, his side will sue, this will go to an appeals court to oversee what the collective bargaining uh, agreement said, and what Judge Sue Robinson said, and what the NFL decided to do upon appeal, we know that they can come back and uphold it, like they did with Tom Brady. Or McCann pointed out yesterday, in his legal analysis at Sportico, that they could also look at it a bit different than what the way they did with Brady, because with Brady, it was Goodell, judge, jury, and executioner. And in this case, you have a former federal judge that has been appointed to hear this, who came back and said, here's why... I'm ruling this way, uh, and you need to set forth this in a parameter. If you're really going to go over the top, you need to set this in a uh, parameter of a collective bargaining agreement in advance instead of deciding that you want this to be um, a, a punishment that we haven't seen before in this regard. They could also get that ruling, but what they've done, Paul, Chad, they have extended this to the point where Watson could play week one if he sues and files for an injunction and it's granted the same way Tom Brady received an injunction when he sued the league for his suspension over Deflategate. Which I, has I, basically delayed his suspension for a season. Yeah. He, yeah, but played, he played the season, then he came yeah. back and it was yeah. upheld the, the next year. Yes. But in this, this situation, it could play out where Deshaun Watson could play the entire season, his first season could, with the yeah. Browns, and then get suspended for however many games the next year. It's funny you brought up judge, jury, executioner, Andrew Brandt just tweeted, Roger Goodell's role was changed from judge, jury, and executioner to appellate judge. But it's still kind of the same thing, is what we're seeing with this. That he could still come back and say, this is still what I'm going to do, or at least attempt to do. I, I agree, Hutt, that I think they'll go for 
uh, for the whole bundle <laughs> and a, a season or plus, but I, I disagree that 12, I, I agree. Eight wouldn't do anything. 10 wouldn't do anything. 12 would be double it. I think 12 would change the precedent. I do think they'll go for more than that. However, well, let me, let me biggest, jump in briefly. I, I briefly. think, I think 12, but would essentially kill the Brown season. Well, but you kill the, you, fine, but you, but you're, it's the same result. I guess you kill the season. He's going to sue you either way. Oh, yeah, he'll still sue so you. If but it changes going, the precedent because if you win in court, you've doubled it. But if you don't, he's, but if you don't win, like Michael McCann pointed out, he's playing this year. Yeah, so, it'll kill their next season if they win it. I think for they the win next in court. My, I think the NFL. Being 12 games to six games, if, if, if you're going to sue and file for the injunction and it's granted, again, that's a lot of. Steps. They've already said they're going to sue. They, they announced that uh, before. Goodell and the NFL announced that they're they're going to appeal. My point is, if you're going to go through this legal process and you've decided to do it, I'm not trying to add on games to this year. I'm I'm saying indefinite. If and let's just move forward with the with a suspension. If we win, we've got you in a suspension that's indefinite. And if not, well, I mean, it, it's a gamble you're going to take anyway, even if you're going to up it to eight or twelve. Here to me is another failure of the union. They wanted Goodell out of discipline. This is the best they could do. And ultimately, it winds up again in Goodell's lap or in the lap of somebody that Goodell appoints. So they created, uh, yeah, an appellate. Goodell as an appellate judge instead of a judge, which is no different if Goodell decides, as he has, to, to go to the appellate court. So this is the weakness of the PA, again, on display. They wanted to get rid of Goodell in this role, and they have not. The, the NFLPA is weak. The players cannot win what they want. All they can win is what the NFL is willing to give them, which is weakening the offseason program, getting additional time off in the offseason, all things that the NFL ultimately does not care about. Coaches may care about it, but the NFL then, ultimately doesn't care about what the coaches care about in April, May, and June. In terms of the extra game, the players didn't want it. It ultimately happened. And 18 will ultimately happen. In terms of Goodell's power with player discipline on a matter like this, they wanted Goodell not to be the guy who ultimately makes the decision. And here we are. They created an additional step. But ultimately, Goodell or somebody who's following Goodell's marching hours uh, orders will make the decision. The PA has zero power to affect the change that is most important to the PA. But the, the difference is they have the former federal judge, a woman who has ruled that, in her opinion... Six games. It's six games, and it's based on precedent, and it is because uh, you they wanted an unprecedented suspension, and she has said that you need to give the players notice to agree to certain protocol on how this process is sure. going to go about. That's the difference in the previous disciplinary hearings and this one is they now have a voice to take the court. Yeah, and you have a, you point to another judge will read a former federal judge's opinion on it unlike previously where it was Goodell, Goodell and Goodell. But that but that judge may also and I would bet on it say while you have that you agreed to a CBA that lets Goodell overrule I, that. And, and that's on you. Do Dove Kleiman tweets, Watson. in the end, Watson has gambled and lost. He had a chance to accept a settlement deal from the NFL of 12 games, 
and a $10 million fine, which was his salary in 2021. He declined, and now with this appeal, he's going to serve a lot more than those six games. I don't know that we can say that definitively. And it, and if I'm looking for the the, could be next the easiest route right now for the NFL to take in all of this, to not get sued, to not go through another appeal, to not do – is what I brought up yesterday. If they want to take the easy road out, they did on one of two things. Not appealed this decision by Sue L. Robinson at all. Moved forward, said, we got a former federal judge who says six games. Who are we to say otherwise? The six-game suspension stands. You move forward with your season. Deshaun Watson's back, getting enormous ratings every time the Browns play, starting in late October. The second easiest route the NFL could take right now, based on a previous report, would be to come back and say, we're appealing, we're adding two games to it. Because based on the report we saw, he would be willing to accept up to eight games without appealing, without moving forward. So then Deshaun Watson wouldn't sue, wouldn't do anything else. He would accept eight games. Now, Hutton, you brought up a good point yesterday. What is two more games really than the grand scheme of things? The NFL, well, I guess if you're the NFL, the argument is we had this former federal judge who said six. We didn't think that was enough, so we did something on top of it, and we added to it. So you could always claim you did something to appease those that are screaming right now about Deshaun Watson being let off too lightly. She, she allowed the NFL to point to their three-pronged case. Um, and based on her ruling, she also allows Watson to make a case for uh, a lawsuit and an injunction to, to play while they fight this. It, it's just an interesting play because the... It, on what, we, we, had we got some new yesterday. news, by the way, guys, okay. coming down. Uh, this is from Aaron Wilson and others. The NFL appeal filing does state the league is seeking a one-year suspension of Deshaun Watson per league source. This is what the league sought unsuccessfully before NFL disciplinary officer Sue L. Robinson issued a six-game suspension. And again, like that, it, that makes the, the most sense because you're not going to – you're not going to risk the idea that he plays – this season unless you're going for the jugular and that's what that's what I don't know why you would go with what you were trying to negotiate with and instead just go over the top and then somehow meet in the middle where you wanted to to begin with um the 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 fascinating thing is they're willing to let this continue just to be a a big story which is going to continue for a, a while these things do not move fast and the only way to make it move fast was to accept the suspension and move forward. And it was, uh, it, uh, the league deserves credit in that regard. I mean, there's certainly going to be players that don't mind the league punishing Deshaun Watson in a more harsh uh, standard than what Sue L. Robinson recommended. But it's, it also it also puts him in a in a position where the Browns have him on the field. But imagine it's if they're all, good this year with him on the yesterday. cusp of something, yes. and then it goes on hold next year. Well, what you, it's, what, it really screws it, it, It's a screw job either way to the Browns. I mean, and look, the Browns, Rather no get going to show with. pity. You know, they knew the risk when they did this, but it, it's going to be a screw job to the Browns either way, whatever season he's going to well, miss. Not necessarily. If he plays this. this year and they make a playoff run, I mean, they have a very talented team. Yeah, They've been missing the quarterback. And before you say... Oh, you can't just drop a quarterback in. Go see Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay oh, Buccaneers. Totally yeah, sure. Look, if they if they win the Super Bowl, then yeah, mission accomplished. Doesn't matter what well, happens the next I, year. I don't if view he plays it as either year. way, they're screwed. I mean, that what what we have seen so far 
in this entire saga is Watson winning. That's what we've seen. Yeah, but but what I'm saying is they're screwed either way if he has to miss a season. Uh, It's not going to be good for the Browns. They signed this guy, and it's guaranteed, and he has to miss an entire season, either this year or next. Yeah, if if he appeals, sues, and gets to play this year, and they go on to win the Super Bowl, then I don't know that it matters as much the next year that he missed because they accomplished what they set out to accomplish. Keep this in mind, too. With Sue L. Robinson's 16-page statement, she has opened the door for Roger Goodell to do this. And hear me out on this. She agrees with everything the NFL argued. All three of these things happened. She also states, based on precedent of assault, it's six games. My ruling is six games. But keeps the door ajar to say that, but if you think it's unprecedented, then you have to make a decision on that. So this is now Roger Goodell and the NFL come back and saying, this is clearly unprecedented. Here's the precedent now moving forward. You get a season for behavior like this. So Sue L. Robinson, there's a lot of people saying, boy, she really you know, botched this or whatever you want to claim. I don't necessarily agree because from a legal perspective, she agreed with everything the NFL said as a judge and said, I can only go on precedent This appears to be unprecedented, but the NFL has to now decide, leaving it open to Roger Goodell to decide, is this unprecedented or not? If it is, set the precedent. Well, now what's the precedent? Reports are telling us the precedent will be 16 games or 17 games in a full season for Deshaun Watson. I, uh, Brant also suggests that this could open the door for negotiations again. So they end up, they end up getting their 12. Maybe. But, but I still but now don't. now Watson has to bend the knee. But I, I still don't understand. Have, for, what, the, for those that say that six do, is an embarrassment, how is 12 great? Why would Watson? Like, I, well, I it's, 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 it's not great, but you compromise. It's, it's on, double. I mean, it's better than six, I guess you could argue. It's better than It's definitely season. better than six. For, for one side, it's better than six. Also, for one side, Watson, it's better than six. But here's the thing. Watson had a chance to agree, agree to this reportedly before. Yes. If I had a former federal judge saying six, I don't know the Watson's camp is going to come back and now agree to 12 if he didn't do it before the ruling. Right? From her? Wouldn't you just fight it if you were Watson at that point? I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in the NFL losing in court. I know the Brady thing went uh, against them to a degree, but they've got a pretty good record in court, and I'd be pretty confident if I'm the NFL in my CBA. Well, Which let me, says let that me, Goodell me, gets, well, gets did the Brady thing go against said. them, or did okay. it just delay it? Um, I, again, I, Paul, you, Chad, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying, but you cannot overlook the fact. No one's saying this. You know who else has a pretty good record in court? Deshaun Watson. Yeah. No, that, that's so, my point. Uh, it's yeah, a, right. It is a I, risk. I don't, right. I don't know that he would be in a hurry. Uh, again, he's gotten better info since he declined to settle for 12 games. He has a female former federal judge saying six. So if you're his legal team that has seemingly won at every turn, why would you agree to 12 now if you didn't before? Also, now, though, take, take that away. Yeah. Would you take 12 now or season next year? But you take, take 12, 12 now. now. But, yeah. but again, all this, uh, I, I see all of this. Uh, the, the NFL, what they're going for is the public relations victory here, right? Yeah, and the power win. Okay, yeah, yep. and, and that, but they that they have that that they can Im- impose any any suspension they want. Now. Right, but to be sure, it clears in court yeah. too. We're yes. we're the boss, not Sue Robbins. Um, but 
I mean, it, I, I can't help but look at the fact that uh, a player in Atlanta in Calvin Ridley is on an indefinite suspension for a five-day bender on FanDuel or wherever it was. $1,500 worth. For $1,500 and a $300 11-game parlay. Not even a night out but for an yet, NFL player. 12 games is better than six for Deshaun Watson. That, do, that still does not add up in any negotiation. There, in no way do I look at those two issues as on a similar plane or in any way is Ridley a, a, a shelf or two higher than that. So if they mean in, unprecedented, you come over the top with an indefinite suspension. Effective ban, which is what you gave Ridley. I don't if have a problem. really looking for that. If you're looking for 12 versus 6... To me, that, that does not send any type of message other than the fact we're looking for a, a way to give Wait. him a suspension that the public feels like is just, even though we ha- we're not bringing up any other type of suspension that's, that's ongoing here. That, it just doesn't correlate to me. I, I, I want to go on the record. I don't have a problem with Calvin Ridley and with any gambling thing being in its own silo separate of everything else. You can't bet on games that you potentially have involvement or information in, period, and that's disciplined, separate and out of context with everything else. I'm fine with that. I'm, so I'm fine with that. I think that's a separate and, well, thing. And that's, let, let's, let's also clearly state why that is. Because it, affect, it affects their business directly. That's the sole like. Let's not. It could totally screw let's not talk everything from the foundation. About anything. What Deshaun Watson's accused of doing is far, far worse right. than anything that Calvin Ridley. But it has can't done, affect the integrity of the game. But it affects their right. business, right. and that's the hate. That's what I don't understand with this. Is the NFL has an easy out right now, and they're not taking it. And the easy out is to do nothing. They've got a federal judge who said this. They could have Deshaun Watson back helping the business of the NFL even more in late October. And now they're going to take the approach of we're going to we're going to do something we feel is the right thing morally. To me that's what a season long suspension is by the NFL. They're saying that's too light, we don't agree with it. We're going to take the hard road, get sued and give this guy a year and we'll battle it out in court. The easy road right now is to do nothing. Yeah, well, and you could point to we went through the CBA negotiations, both sides in, in good, good faith. faith, that we would have an independent judge uh, that that would decide cases as uh, like this. Initially. And, and, you know, th- of course you can't predict what case is going to be the big one first. Uh, this is it's certainly for unprecedented, I mean, using that word again. And, it, and I don't disagree with it. But at the same time, you can't argue the fact that when you look at what she did, I mean, this was as independent and a step back and, and thought out and thorough as it could be given what she had in front of her. That, that's, I mean, that's also a fact here in, in reading through the details of it. And now if you're just coming back over the top, then why did we go through the charade of what we just went through? If, if ultimately, if the NFL doesn't get their way, they're, they're going to get their way. So there's a number of reporters right now claiming, and I'm, I'm trying to follow yeah. this in real time, so bear with me. A number of reporters are saying they're looking for a year, the NFL is, for Deshaun Watson. Adam Schefter has written in a story that's just published ESPN, and he said on an ESPN broadcast, it's an indefinite suspension they're seeking. So I, I, I believe Adam Schefter. See, I think that's crap. That's what I said. That's out. But I said that yesterday. Like, you, 
that is how you go about it. If you if you're expecting them to sue you, then you 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 try to take all the power, Paul. To your point, instead of just floating out twelve games, and when you could really tack on more, an indefinite is indefinite. It could be twelve. Could be ultimately, yeah. Ban. I mean, that's how we would interpret that. It's also. Paul, you're right. It's also, it could be used as a negotiating tactic. You're floating this news out there and um, you're floating this out there because, oh, we're, you're hearing indefinite. You want to settle but, for 12? Well, but Mar- also, Mary Kay Cabot also You're saying seeking? Has, they're using the word seeking? That's a dumb word. They're not seeking anything. They're delivering. I mean, you don't have to go to Roger Goodell and ask uh, yeah, him for something. <laughs> right. He's the guy that's deciding. Well, maybe I used a, a, a poor word there. This is from... Well, yeah, looking or seeking. Michael Fabiano is quoting That's Adam weird. Schefter on TV saying the NFL is looking for an indefinite suspension. Uh, that makes no sense for anybody to couch it that way. Goodell's going to Goodell asking for well, a season-long penalty? I, I think penalty? what well, they, they're saying is Goodell's we know we're going to get sued. Des- well, I, I, so we're going to say indefinite suspension well, and then hope that we get the indefinite suspension that, well, based on my Goodell point. can deliver the season-long suspension. Then it gets challenged. But what Goodell de- g- de- delivers, Goodell well, delivers. You're getting really worked up over some semantics at this point. Well, I read into because that. Because they're, they're, they're hoping the ultimate goal I is reached. They're looking for that to eventually happen. I also read into that that they're going to appoint someone else. Uh, Mary Kay Cabot also has video of Deshaun Watson uh, being alerted by Brown's PR and being walked off the field during practice once the word came down that the NFL was appealing. Well, we'll continue this discussion, then Will Power joins us in studio on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up in eight minutes, we've got Will Power in studio with us. Uh, Team Penske in town, and so is IndyCar, former IndyCar champion, Indianapolis 500 champ. And uh, the points leader, he's going to be in studio with us to chat about the Music City Grand Prix and his career and the sport. And I just hope we don't sound stupid with some of the questions we've asked yeah. him, we've got uh, coming up. It's uh, going to be a lot of fun. Um, Fun would not be the way to describe the saga with Watson. It's certainly newsworthy. NFL's going to appeal. Chad, you said uh, you saw video of the Browns coming out to inform him at practice today in Cleveland that, that the NFL would be appealing. And, of course, they, his team's already said they're going to sue. So here we go. Uh, more of the legal process and trying to dissect um, – Different ways to interpret what everyone means in all of this. I, I think it's also important to note, just from the appeal standpoint, and whatever goes to court at that point, when once the NFL comes down harder on Deshaun Watson, which they're attempting to do, um, Deshaun Watson has never admitted guilt one time. I know. 
I mean, if he would have come out, people would come out and apologize, acknowledge something. Do, he hasn't done anything. And I know we talked about that Brown statement, which I will still contend is very carefully worded. I agree with that. To but, say he's remorseful about the situation. The situation could be remorse in missing six games because he feels he's unfairly missing six games. And he's remorseful about that, that he signed this contract and can't play in every game. He has never admitted to anything along the way. The Browns have not really admitted to any wrongdoing by him. I'm the not Texans saying have. I'm not saying he's right. Well, kind of, yeah, they settled. But, but he, the, the guy, the well, guy has faced two grand juries, and they haven't gone forward with an indictment. And he's never admitted guilt. That's coming up in court. But that he, there is. It's a very broad. The NFL has discretion that the oh, NFL yes. has with conduct detrimental to the league. The NFL does not have the same burden of proof as the state or the government in this thing. So yes, that's going to be on the NFL side. And she found them guilty on all win. three things that she had to prove. Correct. So here's Jeff Darlington on Twitter. I'm told NF- the NFL is appealing for an indefinite suspension that would be a minimum of one year, but perhaps more significant given the structure of Watson's contract. Source tells me the NFL's appeal will also include a monetary fine. Money is now a significant part of the equation. So the money that's been thrown out there, by the way, is $10 million, which would have been his salary last year. They're trying to take that salary back that he earned for doing nothing with the Texans. And that report on the minimums they would have expect, accepted last week from Graziano was $8 million. Was and, the, but here the comes the, the – we have to dig through the info because – Based on the way I read the CBA, you can only find a player based on his base salary on week-to-week basis. So going after last year's base or next year's base. Well, go after last year's base last year. That's yeah, when they should have done something. Will Power joins us in studio next on Outkick 360.